back to the Family Movie Night podcast where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. Uh, This is episode 63. And uh, we have a really interesting movie, I think, to talk about. I think it's one that maybe a lot of people overlooked when it came out. Uh, is a movie called Chronicle. It came out in 2012, I believe. I do not have all of the uh, information up here, but I do know it was directed by Josh Trank, and uh, it was written by Max Landis, and uh, it stars Dane DeHaan, Michael B. Jordan, and Alex Russell as three high school students who uh, come upon uh, this something. It looks like a meteorite, maybe, that uh, gives them superpowers, the powers to basically of uh, telekinesis. They are able to lift things with their minds. And uh, this is a found footage type movie. Uh, it's com- kind of coming off the heels of, if people remember in 2009 when Paranormal Activity came out, it felt like every horror movie. And then suddenly we had movies like Chronicle, which was a superhero movie that was in the found footage genre. Uh, there was a movie, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Sawyer might remember. Uh, it's about uh, kids who time travel. Do you remember that movie? They they build a machine oh. to time travel. It was an MTV movie. I remember that. Uh-huh. Um, oh, gosh. I watched. We would rent it is the thing. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember it. I'm not going yeah. to remember. Right Cloverfield now. is kind of the original uh, found footage. If you don't know, found footage is a movie that is kind of taken. It's supposed to be like a document of like found footage, footage from cell phones or cameras or the characters in the movie are filming themselves and somebody, we don't know who, has spliced them together. And that's what Chronicle is. Uh, but I'm not talking about this alone. As you've already heard, uh, I've already talked to the villain of our podcast, who in this movie is Dane DeHaan, which I will say in some ways, Sawyer, you give off some Dane DeHaan vibes. So <laughs> this one's very fitting to me. Uh, Sawyer, h- h- how do you feel? About Dane DeHaan's actually a pretty solid actor. He's he's not I like had him as an actor. I yeah. like him as an actor. There's yeah, but uh and I wasn't gonna say Dane DeHaan in this movie, and I think you know what I'm about to say. You give me Dane DeHaan, Harry Osborne <laughs> in Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> 2 vibes. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, some rare have, blood disease. Yeah, honestly, I'd rather have that one than this one because in that one, he's basically playing a cartoon character yeah. of a bad guy, and in this one, he's playing just a really tragic, sad character. And I'd, I'd rather be the cartoon villain than, than this one. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a straight up psychopath in this movie. There ain't no way around it. Oh yeah. This movie's creepy. Yeah. And not, and not because of anything that happened in the movie, almost from the first shot of the movie. I'm like, "Mm -mm, something right about this kid. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course we had the hero of our podcast who I have to say in this one, uh, you, you talk about tragedy. I think the tragedy of this movie is that we do not get Michael B. Jordan for the entire runtime because he is by far the most likable and I think the kindest character in the whole movie. So Donnie Dorsey, you get to be Michael B. Jordan in this film. You feeling good about that? I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, there's there's not really a, a bad way about it because, I mean, he definitely from the beginning of the movie is just that guy. Like he's. He's the he's the popular guy, but it's also the the counter to what you would expect. I was like, oh, he's popular. He's the the football player. He's probably going to be the jerk. But yeah, he he's running for student guy. body president. It's like there ain't no way this guy ain't the bully. Yeah. Hey, what is what is this episode coming out? This episode will be releasing in January twenty sixth. Okay, so January twenty sixth. Oh, dang! So this okay. 
We're so, still a ways away from Creed Three. I was just about to say. So, I, if if we were in like mid February at this point, that I was gonna be like, oh, like a month Creed Three, but it's like six weeks out. But yeah, we're still a little yeah. ways out. This is still early in the Michael B. Jordan career. This is pre Creed. Uh, this is post uh, Friday Night Lights in post-parenthood, I believe, which were kind of his big uh, starring kind of things. He was like, I think he was on the third season of Friday Night Lights and then like the second season of Parenthood and uh, started kind of breaking out in those roles. Uh, obviously, was in The Wire as a kid uh, for fans of The Wire. But, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Michael B. Jordan. I don't know how not to because, look, we, I would talk about either Michael Jordan with or without the B at any moment. So, uh <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into Donnie Dorsey. Tell them what we do on this podcast. Yeah, so on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that will help you build stronger relationships. And uh, on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you can watch on your monthly movie night, but uh, give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you can have with your children uh, during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing on your list as a parent that you feel guilty about not doing. Uh, We want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so you can build memories and have conversations that matter. And uh, we have a great movie to help you do that today. We've already told you what Chronicle's about. If you haven't seen it, uh, I think this movie is still uh, an interesting watch. I don't know that it holds up as profound and kind of like, whoa, this is groundbreaking as it did in 2012. If you can kind of get your mind back to 2012, uh, The Avengers is just about to come out because I believe this came out early in the year. But yes, this came out in like January, February, I think. Yes, it came out in February. So, you know, Iron Man's already come out. Thor's already come out. The Dark Knight trilogy is about to end. You've already had the Dark Knight. This is kind of the beginning of what would become the superhero glut that we would walk through for the next 10 years. Um, But this movie felt to me very groundbreaking at the time. Like, oh, wow, it's like a real, like, on-the-ground realistic found footage kind of portrayal of what superheroes are like. Uh, I remember going to see this in theaters with my wife and we both were really into it. Um, And uh, I I, I really enjoyed it. I think there are some things that maybe uh, 10 years later feel a little dated, but watching it with my kids, my kids were really into it. Now, before I toss it to my co-host, I want to say this movie is a solid PG 13 in that, there's more blood than I remember. I, I mean, it's it's a pretty bloody PG-13. There's a couple times where some characters get like beaten up and smashed on the ground and things like that. And you see the effects of that. Now, what I will say is I can understand that that might be scary for some younger viewers. So I understand if you don't want to watch that with them. I will say for your teenagers, I think there's a benefit to that in that it lets you know the consequences of violence. Whereas in a lot of superhero movies, people just get punched and thrown through buildings and heads slammed on the ground. And even movies that we laugh about and joke about here, like Home Alone, where people are getting bricks hurled at their head. And I mean, would be instantly dead the moment that happened. And they just get up and kind of laugh it off and move. There is something in this movie and the way it's portrayed is very horrific. And to let you kind of feel the weight of it. 
But I do understand if you got younger kids, uh, I would I would encourage you maybe not to watch this with them. There's also a fair amount of language and some more kind of, you know, teenager party culture type stuff that you might not want your younger kids to see. So I would say this is a solid PG-13 middle school and up probably for this. So I want to toss it to my co-host. I have a feeling Sawyer Hewlett, you were probably in high school or middle school when this came out. Uh, yeah, I, I bet you saw it in theaters. I did not see it in theaters. We got it. Whoa, off that's shocking thing. to me. That is shocking. This was, me. see, this was right on the cusp of my parents being like, we can't control what he's going to watch, but they could control what I could go to the theater and see. And so I wanted to go and see this in theaters. So how old not, were you when this came out then? Maybe I'm, maybe I, I was 15 when this movie came out. Is the thing. Okay. Okay. I was turning 16, like three months later. If, seriously. I think they knew we've got like three months of controlling Sawyer's movie intake and they, they were not going to let me, it was also like inconvenient. Like they couldn't just drive me to the theater. Cause I was like 30 minutes away as the thing. So all that to say when it came out on Redbox like a month and a half later, because this movie bombed in theaters, when it came out on Redbox, I, I rushed to get this one and watch it with my friends. And we, we really loved this movie. This was like, because like we enjoyed Avengers and stuff like that, but I felt like a nerd trying to get my friends to come and watch Avengers with me. I knew that I could get them behind this because it had a little bit more of a a, a thriller tone and stuff like that. And uh, and we loved watching this movie. This movie was a lot of fun. Um, and now like kind of like what you're talking about, Nathan. There are things that like don't hold up. I'm kind of like, gosh, I love this movie so much and. Like there's some corny dialogue and stuff like that. That is just like, oh goodness. But anyways, all that to say, I still really enjoy this movie. And I think I'm I think I'm more nostalgic for it now as it's like, man, this was like a teenager-y movie for me. I I probably watched this movie like once a semester from the moment it came out. I like me and my friends would be like, let's watch Chronicle. All right. So I want to add two things to what Sawyer said. One, I do think part of what doesn't hold up for me about this movie, because once again, my kids were into it, is I do think what Sawyer said is right. This is a teenage movie, which is why I think watching it with your teenagers is good. What I meant what didn't hold up a decade later for me was I was 22 in, when this came out. I'm just, you know, I'm in college still. I'm finishing up my last semester of college. This very much feels like how teenagers see the world. Like there are things people say and do that I go, nobody talks like this. there is a character that at 17 he's either reading like descartes or some philosopher like some enlightenment philosopher that i'm like there is no high school class where you're required to read this but as a as a kind of more intellectual high school college student i was like yeah, that's who I would be, you know? And they have a level of freedom that high schoolers don't really have, but you kind of think it's that way. There's a part, when they get their superpowers, it is done so at a rave held by high schoolers in an abandoned, like, I don't know, warehouse of some it's kind. It's a barn. It's a barn. They, I don't know. It's, like, it's, 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 it's not a wood barn. I'll just say that. No, they call it the barn rave, though. Oh, like, okay. You're having a barn rave. Like, I. Yeah. And so, to, to even that point, it's a barn that no farmer would use. Like, it yeah. is, it is, a, I mean, it looks like a hangar to me. It looks like an yeah. airplane hangar. They have it there. They have professional DJ lighting going on. 
in this thing. And I'm like, no high schooler could have this happen. But to that point, your teenagers will not know that. And they'll just think it's, you know, oh, that's fun. And that's cool. And whatever. The second thing I'll say, though, because I felt like this is a little bit of chronicle slander. This movie did not bomb at the box office. This movie made. So guess oh, what? How much you think it made, Sawyer? I think it's going to blow your mind. Uh, I'm going to say it made. 62 million domestic. Donnie, do you have a guess on how much this movie made? I'll tell you this. It is double, at least double what Sawyer just said. I'd say it's probably somewhere around the two. I don't know million. domestic. I, I will say Wikipedia is not telling me domestic or not. I'll say yeah, total is more, double what you said. I'd say it's probably somewhere closer to 150 to 200 million. It's it's not as high as under It is $126.6 million on a $15 million budget. Jeez. So that's why that's this movie insane. was a successful. They immediately greenlit a Chronicle 2. Uh, but And I immediately watching this movie was like, I need to read everything Max Landis right. Max Landis is the reason that these movies didn't go forward. Uh, it, it, you can look it up at some point. But uh, two of the themes we'll be talking about today not just uh, professionally and talentedly, uh, he, there were some character mistakes that, uh, and I'll go beyond mistakes, uh, that kept him from getting things greenlit. Max uh, Landis is very much uh, the Dane DeHaan character. He slides into the yes. Dane DeHaan role in this movie. Okay? So this, and, and the director of this movie went on to direct uh, the Fantastic Four movie, Fan Four Stick, which also had a disastrous conclusion. So Chronicle 2 did not come out, but this movie made so much money that they were like, let's do another one. Let's get this going. It oh. never happened and probably never will. But Donnie, Dor Donnie Dorsey, uh, you, you found something interesting. What, what What's interesting? I didn't know he wrote uh, Bright. Yes. Yeah, so Max Landis had about six. So Max Landis is the son. <laughs> Max Landis has probably like a Google alert on his name. <laughs> and he's going to be watching this episode. Max Landis is the son of John Landis, who was a famous uh, filmmaker in the 70s, made Animal House and a bunch of, you know, an American werewolf in London and a bunch of um, kind of classic comedies, meatballs, uh, those kind of things. Uh, yeah. Max Landis wrote like six genre bending type movies. Uh, Bright, which was the Netflix Will Smith movie, where he's—it's kind of like a, um, isn't it directed by, um, David uh, Ayer? Maybe it's yes. not. Okay, so I, David I Ayer, who did Training Day, and um, what's the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, where he's a police officer as well? Um, that's also found End of footage. Watch. End of watch, which is pretty good. End of Watch is. Pretty I good. like End of Watch. Yeah, I was about but, to say. Better be careful. With no, In the Watch is a movie I actually really enjoy. But Bright is kind of a gritty LAPD crime, like police officer movie with elves and ogres and all these yeah. things. He also made Victor Frankenstein. He wrote Victor Frankenstein, which is the uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Max Harry made some bad movies. Yeah, he, ha he had <laughs> it rough. He had it rough for a while. So, Donnie Dorsey, uh, did you see this movie when it came out? Uh, or is this a newer movie for you? Uh, no, I didn't see it when it came out. I think the first time uh, was, I think I saw it with you. Uh, and when I first saw it, I don't think I saw how all the little nuances of it. 
because I was watching it, you know, I'm like, it's uh and there's so many good aspects of this movie that are done well that I was like, there's no way this was like uh, you know, as overlooked as I, I thought it was, but and it isn't clearly with 120 some some odd million, you know, dollars uh earned, but it's a really good movie. Like it it surprised me. It was one of those movies where I was like coming back to watch it, I was like, this is actually better than I remember it. So I yeah, yeah. I think this is a uh, enjoyable movie for sure, and I think your kids will enjoy it, uh, or your teenagers in particular. But we want to talk about this for uh, the themes of this movie, and uh, I think one of the biggest themes of this movie. Uh, for those who have not seen it, we're going to spoil it a little bit, but we kind of have anyway. Uh, like we said, there's these three teenagers, high school seniors, who uh, who find this meteorite or something buried in the earth uh, that gives them superpowers where they can uh, lift things with their mind. Eventually they're able to lift their own bodies and fly and all those kind of things. Uh, but one of them, uh, Dane DeHaan is the character and his, uh, the, is the actor. And the I have to interrupt. Yep. Here's the deal. Does anyone remember what I guessed the domestic gross was 62 mil? Yeah. Official domestic gross. 64 and a half million. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. I had, I had to, I had to brag right there. Right. Well, there you go. But six, I'll still say 62 mil on a $15 million budget. A, a smashing impressive. success. All right. So, uh, but congratulations. Congratulations. Dane DeHaan plays Andrew Detmer and he grows up in a home where his mother uh, has, I believe, I guess it's, it's cancer. It, yeah. They don't really specifically say, I don't think they mentioned She's it sick. and they, they mentioned the way they described it was that it was like cancer. Yeah. And it's something I would assume lung cancer because she's having trouble breathing. She's got all these kind of things, but she's very sick. Her father was his father was a firefighter, um, but got injured on the job yep. and now collects some kind of uh, payment settlement from the government on it. Uh, but that's not enough to cover all the bills. In the, I guess, I don't know if he was always uh, abusive, but it becomes very clear that he's now maybe alcoholic, maybe it's certainly abusive to his son over the whole issue. Dane DeHaan's character, uh, because he is this character who is all of the stuff in his life has made him uh, kind of bitter and angry. He feels small, he feels inconsequential when he gets this power. He then goes too far with it. He begins uh, hurting people. He kills someone. He uh, he eventually begins robbing people to get money. Uh, it just the power goes too far. And the and but from the beginning of the movie, he is the most talented with the skills. The yeah. other two characters struggle to control their power. Almost instantly, he has it. And what we want to talk about is this is a movie where the most talented person, because he does not have the character to support the power and talent he has, ends up becoming the villain because he never learns to deal with all that kind of one happened to him. So that's part of it. All the hurt he has, all the pain he has, but also because he is a person, he he's very judgmental to people. You can see it throughout the movie. Uh, he's very bitter towards people. And that eventually swells to him becoming a person. And as Sawyer said, it's very tragic because his cousin, 
who is one of the characters in the movie who has powers, is trying to help him and trying to reach out, but he has now become so closed off, he won't help, and he eventually becomes the villain of the movie. And what we wanted to talk about was, this is a good movie to talk about how uh, talent is not all that matters. That what really matters is developing Christ-like character. That you can't control, one, the circumstances of your life. You can't control the bad things that happen to you. And two, you, your life, and this is what happens to most of us, we try to say, hey, what matters most is developing talents and developing skills and doing something better with your life. But what we mean is making the right grades, getting into the right college, getting the right job, having the right kind of extracurricular so you can build a better life. But then as we said, and, and you know, Sawyer already said with Max Landis, if you don't know, Max Landis uh, had himself uh, – Certainly allegations. I don't know how far it went. I don't know if there were criminal charges, but of both emotional and sexual abuse towards um, uh, women that he dated. And I once again, I don't know, so I don't want to speak on the that because I don't know all into it. But we all know of powerful men and women who were incredibly talented, very successful in their careers, but a lack of character eventually get outed in some kind of a scandal. And what we want to be able to help our kids do, and obviously not all of our kids are going to become so successful and so powerful that whatever scandalous thing happens in their life makes news and three idiots on a church podcast will talk about your scandal. Uh, but they will make decisions that might wreck their marriage or might wreck their relationship with their kids one day. All of our six-year-olds and seven-year-olds eventually will be 60 and 70-year-olds who a lack of Christ-like character can produce horrific consequences in their life. And yes, we care about how well they do on their grades. And yes, we care that they build a life that, 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 that they can do well and they can support themselves. All of those things do matter, but they do not matter as much as building Christ-like character. And so I want to talk about how do we have those kind of conversations because our teenagers are in the middle of that. They're thinking about their future. They're thinking about what kind of things they need to do and what clubs they need to be a part of and what grades they need to make in classes so they can build the future that they can have. So Donnie has a really good point that he made uh, maybe a year or so ago on our podcast. It's really stuck with me. And I'm going to tease you. I'm going to come back to that. But first, I want to talk to Sawyer, who works with teens at our church. Sawyer, do you see a lot of anxiety in kids around their future, around the grades they deal with, around their schoolwork, that they feel a lot of pressure? I know when I was doing youth ministry, I saw that the kids are dealing with just a lot of pressure and anxiety to perform in some way. Do you do you sense that? Oh, yeah. I think, um, you know just stuff that we've been actually going over recently in, uh, in our student ministry is that this is extremely, extremely relevant. You know, this upcoming Sunday, we're literally just talking about anxiety actually. Um, and so, um, like the Sunday that this episode is coming out, we are going to be talking about anxiety. And, and so like, it's like, this is a very pressing issue. I think about something that a girl, uh, the question came up in, in our, in one of our small groups, that, uh, you know, what do you wish the Bible would talk about more explicitly? And a, a, a girl in the small group that I'm in uh, mentioned mental health difficulties and stuff like that. Wow. And so this is 
this is extremely relevant is the thing in the lives of your teenagers. If you're listening to this, I, I think that there is a level to which teenagers are desperate for a sense of security. And, you know, maybe they get that in like small doses from their parents and from, from their parents or maybe from their friends, but the worlds that they inhabit are just entirely chaotic. Now, us adults kind of learn it doesn't really go away. You kind of learn to manage it and stuff like that. But for teenagers who are like growing and changing in this very, you know, different stage of life from any other, it is very, um, it's very scary. And I think that actually this movie kind of taps into that. Um, I, I think of um, the, uh, there, there's a line in uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, which like, I don't love the first Captain America, but I love the idea about why Steve Rogers becomes Captain America, where uh, the scientist that creates the formula that turns him into Captain America, he's like talking with a general and he's like, come on, pick this like super athletic guy who is going to like absolutely be able to like lead people into, into war. And the the scientist guy is like, no, I like, I like that little scrawny kid who like loves people and protects his friends and stuff like that. And the, uh, he, he says like later, he's like, this serum is going to amplify certain qualities about you as a thing. So like, if you're bad, it's going to make you worse. If you're good, it's going to make you great as a thing. So that's why like Steve Rogers gets picked. And I think this movie taps into that thing with like teenagers. Teenagers are like innately insecure to a certain extent. And this movie taps into yes. the Dane DeHaan character being insecure. He gets these powers. And instead of like him getting all confident, his insecurities like blow out and spiral out of control by the end of the movie. And it's, it's really, really um, honest. I think that's the best way that I can, I can describe it. It's an honest movie. Yeah. And I think what this movie does well now, I will say, I think once again, in every one of these movies, we have to take the conversation farther. I do think this movie primarily is trying to say, this is a tragedy about a kid who's just in a bad situation and made a bad choice. But I think the seeds are planted in the movie that because of the bad things that happened to him and because he, he, his, he chose not to say, let me deal with my hurt. Let me deal with the bad things. I think we have to take the conversation further because I'm, you know, your kid who's growing up, not in that situation. They're not growing up in a situation uh, that is that is as a terrible as that kid is. Um, you're able to say to them, "Hey, your character matters. The person you become matters." Because one day, and I used to say this to kids all the time when I would do it: is you're going to get a grade, <laughs> and most likely it's not going to be an F. Most likely, this has been my in Coweta County. They're going to pass you through that class if they can't. You're going to probably get out of that class. The question is not how well of a grade do you get out of that class with? It's how well did you do in that class and not academically? D did you learn the skill? If you want to learn a skill to deal with the pressure of an exam, even if you got a C on the exam. Because if I have to be so stressed for three days leading up to an exam that I'm not eating well, that I'm not doing things, I might not have handled it well. Also, if I tell myself feeling any amount of anxiety about a test is wrong, 
and I'm not I'm not a good text taker because I feel anxiety. There is amount of healthy ex- anxiety that exists. Healthy anxiety is I want to do well, and I'm feeling a little bit of nerves around it. And us as parents being able to help our kids go, hey, nerves are a part of life. Everyone feels nervous before a presentation. Everyone feels a little bit nervous before they do something that matters. Everyone feels a little bit nervous before a conversation. And the solution is not to not have the conversation. The solution is to not not take the test. The solution is how do I develop skills that anxiety or nerves don't keep me from doing what matters? That's a skill that matters. Another skill that matters is how do I be kind to people when I'm a little nervous, when I feel a lot of pressure? How do I forgive the wrongs that have happened to me in such a way that I do not become bitter because of them? How do I return evil for good? Because our kids will find themselves in situations where bad circumstances happen. And obviously, this movie is a very extreme version of that. But they will have some bad situation where someone hurts them. Can they forgive that person? Or do they become bitter? Because that bitterness will turn into anger and contempt that will follow them. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, I've already teased you a little bit, so I want to get to Donnie Dorsey. I probably have set this up so much that Donnie now is nervous he's going to fail. I've made this sound like it's the greatest wisdom anyone's ever given. So I apologize if I've done that. But Donnie, uh, one time talked about uh, when we talk to our kids about how they do at things, and I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but the idea is to focus on the process, how they did it, instead of the results, uh, how well they did. Is that is that a fair assessment, Donnie? Yeah, I think so. So talk a little bit about what that means and what that looks like as a parent and maybe how it's helpful. Yeah, so as a parent, like I think it's very important that we don't focus on, hey, that your kid completed a task. It's the process for which they went through it. Meaning like, say for instance, your kid may be working on homework or your kid's working a big assignment or something. Instead of focusing on, man, you did really well on that. That's such a general, generalized thing that it doesn't help to build into their ability to understand the value that they added to it. They just know that, hey, the end, end result was I got something good and my parents are happy because of the good thing. Whereas the truth is the parents aren't happy about the good thing. They're happy about the good in you. And what what happens as parents, and we we do this often, is we forget to tell them the detail and we just go, oh, well, they know I'm proud of them and they know why I'm proud of them, but we don't, we just assume it instead of going, hey, I really want to tell you that uh like maybe they finished a project like I really like the detail that you put into this project. I can see you really care about, you know, the context of this. And like, I could see that you took a lot of detail and understanding who they were. And like, you know, when they're doing the research projects and things like that, because understanding and teaching your kids about, Hey, your character is going to matter more than anything, because it's that idea of people, people will remember how you made them feel more than they will remember what you did. Yeah. And that's something you'll see throughout life. It's a it's a running theme of how people are is that ultimately, like if I have conversations with someone 10 years later and they don't talk about they're not going to tell you about, oh, man, I remember when you got that A in class and you were so good. They're going to go. I remember that day I was terrified about that test 
and you sat with me and studied with me to help me calm down or those little things because so many people focus on uh, results instead of character and the character will carry you through difficult moments, but the results will only carry you, car- carry you to the next result. Yes. And you begin to put all your self-worth and value in the result. Yeah. And, and what becomes a problem then is twofold. And I'm telling this as a person who, uh, my whole life results have been what have told me everything about myself. One, if you're really successful at it, which I, many things in my life I have been, you become very proud and very boastful and you become very uh, self-deluded into thinking, I am the one who makes everything good in my life. I am responsible for it. And you start to become judgmental and bitter towards the people in your life who, why can't they seem to do as well as I'm doing? Yep. Why can't they seem to do? They just can't get it together. And, and it hurts my relationship with God. It hurts my relationship with other people. The second part of it is, if when you do fail, and everyone does, and I have, everything collapses. Yep. How good could I possibly be if I can't succeed anymore? What value am I to the people in my life? And so to mom and dad, how valuable am I to mom and dad when I'm not making the grade anymore? Yeah. And then we wonder sometimes why our kids might cheat or why they might have levels of anxiety around things or why they might hide things if they think what matters most to me is the result. And I want to just do a quick plug. And it looks like Sawyer wants to say something, so throw to him. We just recently, okay, he shook his head no. I am not, he does not want to say something. So I'll do a quick. anything to add. I think you guys are on a roll. So I'm like, it's whatever. <laughs> okay. You leaned forward as if to say something. And I thought, oh, well, I don't want to ignore him. But then he was like, please, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, we just recently had a parenting class as of filming this at the beginning of January that really talked about this a lot. And Jason Collins did a great job of really using similar to Donnie Dorsey of, Don't ask your kids, did you get your homework done? Or how much homework do you have? Ask them about specific things that happened in the day. And how did that go? Oh, well, I'm proud of you for doing this. And what it brought to my mind in that point is, I often say to my kids, the only thing that matters to me, my kids are little, so they're not quite at that stage yet of grades really being a thing and all that. But I often say to my kids, honesty is what matters most to me. Because if you can't be honest with me, we can't really have a relationship. Trust is the center of all relationships. Trust is so important to love. And I want to be able to trust you. And so we've told our kids, uh, if you will come to me, even if you disobey something I say and admit it to me, tell me the truth, there will be no consequences for it. Because I so badly, which I'm telling you, sounds great. And then you get into it and they come to you and it's like, Hey, I did this. And you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I yeah. can't, oh, what? I got to do something about this. But then yeah. when your response is, thank you for telling me the truth. And I'd say to my kids over and over again, this is how I know. I want you to know I trust you and I'm proud of you because you're always honest with me. Yeah. You're all, even when you do something wrong, you're honest with me. You tell me the truth. And like Donnie was saying to say the process yesterday, My oldest is now able to kind of stay at home sometimes by herself when we go out. And the other day I left her with something in the oven. And I said, I want you to take something out of the oven 
when I leave. When I came home, everything got done. And instead of just saying, hey, thanks for getting that done. Good job. I sat down and said, hey, I want you to know I'm proud of how responsible you are and how honest and trustworthy you are that I know as a dad, I can leave the house and you're going to do everything the way you're supposed to. And I even know that if something happened, you would be able to handle it because I've seen you handle it in the past. And the way that that speaks into them as a kid, I think is huge. Um, and I think it's really important. The final thing I want to kind of hit on, um, and then we're kind of wrapping up our time is one thing I think is really important to help our kids with is all the stuff Donnie said, I think is huge about the process over the result. And I think it sounds a lot like what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, you have heard it said, don't murder, but I say, don't even be angry. And he says, you've heard it not to have an affair, don't have adultery, don't sleep with someone who's not your spouse, but I say, don't even look at a woman with lust. Jesus is looking at your thoughts, your process, because what Jesus knows, and I heard Dallas Willard say this, all of us are capable of murder if we had the means and we knew we could get away with it. If we, there, All of us have been at some place in our life where we have been so angry with another person that we would not have cared if they died. And if we had the means to do it and we could get away with it, it might've happened. And his point is what Jesus knows is the sinful root of that is the hatred you feel in your heart is the anger that you feel that you would call another person a name, that you would say this or do this. Once again, going back to my kids, I hear my kids all the time say to one another, oh, I wish I could hit you right now. Oh, if mommy and daddy wouldn't get me in trouble, I would hit you right now. And I've told, I come out there once again, because I'm a process guy. I go, hey, thank you for being honest about that. Yes. <laughs> you're right. The reason you're not hitting that person right now or, or, or calling them a name is because you know you'll get in trouble. Yeah, because I, I emphasize that a lot with my kids is that, like, I'm not worried about what you do when I'm watching. What I'm more concerned about is what you do when I'm not. Because, and I'll explain to them, I said, that's character. Character is what you do when nobody's watching. Right. Because you're not worried about, because now you don't have any provisions put in place to prevent you from doing the wrong thing. But your heart and your character and who you are says, while I could, I'm not going to because that's not who I am. Yeah. And the way that we do that is by continuing. And this is the part I want to bring up is really creating a thing that's it's twofold. It's one. We have to know our kids sin. And we have, and let me speak, we have to be aware that our kids do sin. I know a lot of parents are like, my kids are so innocent. They never do that evil thing. They never do that bad thing. I am fully capable that I'm fully aware that my kids are capable of doing anything, any, anything that could go, they could. And you know why? Because I know my own sin and I know that I am capable of anything. And two, we need to wait, make aware to our kids. Sin is normal. Everybody does it, but it is not what God wants. And there is a solution to sin and his name is Jesus. And that when we give our sin to him and we are open and honest about it, not just with him, but with others, there is healing. Because I know you think your kid would never do the horrific things that we've seen some famous people, athletes, uh, you know, actors, business people who have, who have lots of said they've done horrific things. But if you had the money to cover it up, you had the opportunity, you had deluded yourself to the point to think that you were kind of above everything else. Any of us are capable of doing horrific things. This is the story of the Bible. 
David, a man after God's own heart, took advantage, used his power to sexually take advantage and exploit a woman named Bathsheba and then kill her husband to cover it up. Anybody is capable of anything. A man after God's own heart wrote Psalms that we still use that Jesus quoted. And he still did horrific things. Anybody is capable of anything. And our goal is to help our kids realize there is beauty in confession. There is beauty in opening up and allowing it. And we as parents need to make space for that. And I do think focusing on the process of things and being able to say, hey, I do care more about you than the grades you make, which I know as a mom and dad, you do. And you never, you never want to communicate to them anything other than that. But sometimes when we focus on the results and say, by any means necessary, get this done. Well, Jesus is not a by any means necessary kind of God. And so we want to be people who build character into our kids and to help them realize, be aware of their own sinfulness and know my mom and dad know I sin. And so then they're not afraid to come out with these things and they can find healing in the light. So I want to kind of wrap up on that point. Uh, this episode was heavier than I meant it to be. I thought it was going to be, this is a superhero movie. We're going to talk about all this stuff, but I think it was important. And I think we covered some important things and uh, uh, I want to help you next week um, as we get back together to help your kids. Next week will be much lighter. I'll say that much. Next week will be a lot more fun. I'll just preview. We're talking about the Pixar film Inside Out. Uh, and I think it'll be a lot of fun and really sweet and have a good time. Sawyer thinks crying of any kind is bad. So no, it's just not like 100% it is. 100%. Okay. That's my point. And we'll talk about this in the next one. Crying is not sad. That's the point of that movie. And we'll talk about it next week. And I'll see you guys when we get back to talk about Jesus and his way of life. We'll see you then.